What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. And we're going to open up to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. I'm going to give you time to get to Genesis chapter 12. Um, I have to read something that's in my notes. I did this in the first experience, too. I got a note in here. It says, D, my kids call me D, by the way. I got three kids, 17-year-old, 15-year-old, and uh, and a 13-year-old. And they call me D, and it says, D, can you say this? I'm sorry to do this to you, but this wouldn't be Father's Day message without a dad joke. I promise I did not put this in here. So y'all ready for the the dad joke of of the day? Okay. How do you find Will Smith in the snow? This is great. This is great. You follow the fresh prince. You get it? The fresh, fresh prince. To complete the dad joke, now I have to explain what that actually means. Will Smith, actor, rapper, fresh prince of Bel-Air, fresh prince. Fr- okay, anyway. That's what makes the dad joke. Not the actual joke, but the fact that nobody gets it and you have to explain it. And then, and then it's over. Okay. But that's the dad joke for today. Okay, we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 12. And, uh, and again, I just want to uh, echo the shout out to all the dads. Uh, being a dad isn't easy, but being a dad is awesome. It's awesome. And, and the moment that you become dad, everything changes. Absolutely everything changes. All the challenges, uh, the beauty of it, the, the power of it, the responsibility, the challenges of being uh, a father is in this. What comes through us as fathers is completely dependent on what's already inside of us. And, uh, and we, can, now we can go ahead and, and spread that analogy out. That goes to everybody and everything. Now, it doesn't matter uh, your sphere of influence, who you are. What is, what is inside of you is what determines what's going to come through you. What's in your heart is going to be the thing that comes out of you. And uh, so we're, we're in this whole thing, Supernatural Summer. And I actually wanted to share a couple of things. This is not part of, um, necess- well, I guess it is now because I'm up here, a part of the message. Uh, we, we've kind of dubbed this season, uh, not because we were bored and looking for a title for the summer, but we really feel like God's doing something specific and not even just for Convo Church. I see it all over the country. I see God doing things in supernatural ways. We're seeing, we're seeing miracles and signs and wonders happening in, great, in greater ways than have been in a long time. And, uh, and, and, and the cool thing is, is that you don't, as a Jesus follower, you don't chase after signs and wonders. Like, that's not what you do. You, sh- you chase after Jesus. You, f- you chase after the heart of God. The scripture actually tells us that signs and wonders will follow, will accompany those who go in Jesus' name. And so sometimes you have to ask yourself the question when you look at the culture around us and we don't see some of those things, well, then, well, then what's accompanying us? What's following us? Sometimes I don't think it's actually a great answer, some, but we need to go back to what is supposed to be. And so we're just believing, like God's been doing stuff in our church. I want to read uh, a couple of testimonies to you. Um, some of you may be aware of some of these things because we've talked about it before, but some of you maybe never heard this. This is one of our church members. Her and her husband are actually down in San Diego right now. Her name's Leilani. And on, on Mother's Day, <clears throat> they were here, and, uh, and Leilani's cousin was with them. Her name's Joyce. 
And, uh, and so uh, she actually even raised her hand and accepted Christ that day, which is fantastic. It was so cool. So she went home, 38 years old, young lady in the prime of her life, and about a week later, out of nowhere, had a massive heart attack. Like just out of nowhere, wasn't no signs, not just a massive heart attack. And through the process of the heart attack and losing oxygen to the brain, they, when they took her to the hospital, they had to induce a medical coma to try to begin to treat her. But when, that, when they did, she had a, a number of, of very strong seizures that in, in the moment put her in a position of being brain dead. And so the doctors actually came to the family and prepared them for the worst news possible. They're like, there's not going to be any quality of life. She's going to be... Uh, she's going to exist through machines, kind of prepping this thing like, hey, medically, we think she's dead. Uh, we're just keeping her alive. You need to prepare yourself. And so Leilani and her husband uh, got together and other family members, and they're like, you know what? We, um, we, we don't accept that. Ever had a moment where news is trying to come at you, but there's something inside of you that says, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And they began to pray, and they called us, and we began to pray. So I'm just going to read. This is like the last update. We just got a couple of days ago. And it says exactly, uh, actually it says hashtag supernatural summer update. I love the way that starts. That's good. You know it's going in a good direction. It says exactly one month from the day all my family were gathered at the hospital being told by doctors to say our goodbyes to Joyce, May 22nd. She will be released to go home, June 22nd. She has been at the rehab facility a mere two weeks, for only two weeks, and her progress is so rapid they've cleared her to go to, to completely go home on her own and finish recovery there. So it's, it's not like one of those situations where, like, they discovered a new drug and gave her a new drug, and all of a sudden she responds and was great. It was, we, we got nothing. We've got nothing for her. You guys need to prepare yourself. And some people said, no, we're going to pray. We're going to go to Jesus. We're going to get God's heart on this. We're going to believe for what the medical community says is not possible to happen. And now she, has, she is at home. She is recovering. She's getting everything back. It's just fantastic. It's the miracle hand of God working. And so we've got, a, we've got another guy in our church. His name is Victor, young guy, 25 years old. Uh, Victor Diaz. Victor, if you're watching, we love you, buddy. Um, who has been battling cancer now for a while. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was aggressive, and they've been going after it. And so uh, he's been going. They did a, a bone marrow treatment with chemotherapy over in the Bay. And, and so they just did what we're believing and praying for is the last treatment that he has to do. His body's been responding great. And uh, so he texted us, and he's like, hey, I have to stay here for probably another week if my levels like sodium and white blood cell, red, red blood cell count doesn't come up. The doctors are concerned. Will you guys please pray? We said, absolutely. And so literally that moment, I screenshot that. I send it to our team. We start praying. And within 24 hours, the doctor said it's going to take you at least a week to see these things. Within 24 hours, all of those levels jumped up to the, to the what they called acceptable level. And the doctor was like, okay, well, that was, that was interesting. Well, let's, we'll just keep you for two more days to make sure that it stays. Well, within the next 24 hours, it jumped up again to even like to a strong level. And the doctor, he said the doctor came into his, uh, I'm going to read it. He said the doctor came into his room this morning. It says, good morning, he texts me, good morning, Pastor Craig, and happy Father's Day. That's really nice, thank you. So good news. He goes, my levels came up big time today, and the doctor came in all excited about it. We're heading home today. Isn't that great? And, and, and so I just, I wonder, like, what are you, what are you believing for? What miracles do you need? Ask God. Uh, we got we to get past this whole if God, Right? If God can, um, 
there's an encounter that Jesus had with, with a blind man. And, and he came up to him and he goes, if you, can, if you can heal me. And Jesus gave him a proper response, almost like slightly offended. If? Do you know who I am? If I can heal you? And, and, and he said, do you want to be healed? He goes, I do. And we, Jesus did what Jesus does. He healed a man. How many times do we come? He's like, okay, God, if it's your will. Of course it's God's will. We don't, always, we don't always know God's plan, but we always know God's will. God's will is for healing. God's will is for salvation. God's will is for wholeness. God's will is for you to succeed and prosper. So do things always happen when we snap our fingers and we say, hey, God, jump, and he asks how high? No, God has a plan. Those are, that's what we have to submit to. But we know God's will. We should never be confused about whether God wants me to be whole, whether God wants me to be healed, whether God wants my marriage to be strong, whether God wants my kids to, to grow up and follow him. No, that's, we know God's will. We have to be firm on understanding and trusting God's plan, which is through the process. It's having faith in who God is, regardless of what's going on around you. And that's kind of where we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 12. We're talking about uh, Abraham, you know, a lot of Abraham, the father of our faith, the father of the Christian faith. And, uh, and Abraham, he wasn't a perfect, he wasn't the father of our faith because he was perfect. He actually messed up some pretty massive things that the world even actually continues to struggle with today as a result of some of Abraham's bad choices. Thank you, Abraham. <laughs> but the reality is, is that what made him the father of our faith and an example for us to want to, want to follow as well is that he always went back to God. He always came back. He always positioned himself as a man of faith, putting his faith not in himself, not in the circumstances, but his faith in God. So let, let's, let me read this to you. I'm just going to read the first three verses of chapter 12. <clears throat> it says, The Lord said to Abram, this is before God gave him an upgrade with his name, went from Abram to Abraham, Abram meaning uh, 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 exalted father, to Abraham meaning father of, of many, which he'd be the many, of many nations. It says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous on Instagram. No, I didn't say that. And you will be a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. A little side note here. Sometimes we can actually be guilty of shutting off the flow of God's blessing to us when we treat others with contempt. That's a little side message right there. But just understand that the way that we treat people can actually lock or unlock the things God wants to do in and through us. But it ends up by saying this, all the families on earth, that's, that's a lot. Not just all the families in your neighborhood, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Can you say through you? Blessed through you. That's what God's trying to do. He, he's saying if you do this, I will bless all the families of the earth through you. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to connect this reality of Abraham to us because here's the cool thing. Because of what God did through Abraham and it being about faith, we get to follow in that same example. It's not just the, the, the Israelite nation or the Jewish people who are the descendants of Abraham. We're actually told in Scripture that it is our faith that makes us a descendant of Abraham. And when you are a descendant of somebody, that means you actually get the benefits of what comes along with that name. So there are promises that Abraham got from God that, guess what, you get to claim. Why? Because you're part of the family. It's your faith in Christ that makes you a recipient of the blessings that Abraham was promised and that now we get to be a part of today. But there's something that I really want us to, it's kind of the main thought that I have for today, 
as we're talking about supernatural summer. And, uh, and again, when summer's over, the supernatural doesn't end. <laughs> so it's like, well, now it's the fall, so now supernatural's done. No, it's not, it's not what we're doing. It's just, it, it's something that we got is starting now, but it's and by, the, by the grace of God, and I pray in Jesus' name, it never leaves us that we continue to walk in the supernatural power of God in our life. But for that to happen, we have to understand something. We have to understand that what God is doing in us is something that God wants to do through us. That's actually the title of the message today, if you're, if you're taking notes or, or, or whatever it may be. Through you for them. Through you for them. And I, let me read this one statement to you one more time. I just said it. Everything God does in you God desires to do through you. I, I was asking my wife, I'm like, can you, can you fact check this statement for me? Like, really, everything? And I started, I was think, thinking about it. We're talking about that. I'm like, is there anything really that God does in us that doesn't apply to something he wants to do through us? I was like, because God gave you his love. God wants you to love others, right? That's through you. God gave you grace. God wants you to extend grace to others. God gave you forgiveness. God wants you to extend forgiveness to others. God served others. He wants us to also in that serve others. God does miracles in people's life. That's not just for the miracle recipients. It's so that you can be brought into a brand new reality that God wants to use you to see his miracles flow through you. So everything that God does in you, he's desiring to do through you. And the moment that we begin to embrace that reality, doesn't mean you understand everything right away, but we begin to lean in to the possibilities of what could possibly happen if I truly wholeheartedly believe that the things that God is doing in me, he actually wants to do through me. Because that, that's not going to, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed if you think about the whole world. I can't imagine being Abraham and God speaking to me and saying, all the families on the whole planet, which at that time, I don't think he had a scope of what the whole planet was. Science hadn't done that stuff yet. It was still flat. No, okay, no, I'm just playing. I want to see if anybody nodded at the whole flat earth thing. Anyway, <clears throat> I was going to ask you to leave. No, I'm just joking. not going to ask you to leave. I know, I'm stopping, babe. Um, <laughs> but can you imagine God saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bless all the families of the earth through you. Like, what do you do with that? You just, like, say thanks or cool, all right. Like, what's that going to look like? You don't, you don't know. But you can embrace your sphere of influence and understand where God has you, your family, your community, your, your job, your neighborhood, you know, you, you know, name it. You know, what is your sphere of influence? Where has God placed you? In that sphere is where God desires to do something in you and through you to impact the people who are around you. It's like, so maybe you're not called to impact millions, but you can impact one or you can impact five. I'm like, you know who, you guys know who Billy Graham is? He impacted millions and millions of people. And even now that he has gone to be with the Lord, his, his impact continues to ripple for generations. Well, guess what? Somebody impacted him. You're like, well, it only impacted one person. Who was it? Well, it was some guy named Billy. Oh, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're going to impact one person. You know, so we don't know. Like, you don't, you don't know the impact that you're going to have on all the people of the planet Earth by having an impact on one person. Like, you just, you just can't underestimate that. You can't. So, so everything God does in you, he desires to do through you. If he forgives you, he wants you to forgive others. If he loves you, he wants you to love other people unconditionally. If he blesses you, he wants you to be a blessing to the people around you. Right. <clears throat> Y'all with me? Happy Father's Day. 
We already said that? Okay, good. So here's the challenge. The challenge with this is that if we allow ourselves to get stuck, focused on ourself, we will never allow our eyes to see what God wants to do around us. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, let me, I'll just be transparent and show you all my guilt. There have been so many times in my life where I've been fixated in my life on a need that I had or like maybe, maybe something I was going through that was, that was, that was painful or difficult. And, and for, you know, it's just human nature in those moments that like everything just kind of like focuses inward, right? It's like, God, I'm having such a hard time. This is so hard. Why me? Please help me, heal me, whatever, you know, all these things. That's natural. That's human nature. But what God is trying to do is he's trying to get us to get our eyes off of our self. I see more people be used by God who are in the midst of struggles when their focus isn't on their struggle, but on what God is able to do through them in those struggles. Like, we, we wouldn't have to have supernatural interaction if we didn't have supernatural need. If, it, you know, healing wouldn't be necessary if there wasn't something to be healed from. God demonstrates his power by coming into an element of brokenness and completely transforming brokenness. Now, don't for one second ever believe, well, God made people sick so that he could make them healed and show it. No, no, that's not how that works. We live in a broken, fallen, sinful world that has sickness, that has disease, that has people who hurt other people. Like That's the world in which we live, but God in his grace and power show up and do miracles through what the enemy tries to cause damage. That's how that whole concept of, of what the enemy meant for evil, God takes it and turns it for good. Like he can take the most terrible circumstances and something good can come out of it. And I, th- I think about Leilani and her family and Joyce and that whole situation. Or Victor, 25 years old, hey, uh, you've got cancer. Like, that's terrible. Like that, I can't think, if, if you're in that situation, you have a hard time wrapping your mind around something that's, that's more tragic than that. But if you have if you claim the, pro- the promises that Abraham has, you claim them for yourself. I'm a child of God. God's going to work through me. God's going to impact people of this earth through what he does in my life. So, okay, diagnosis of a cancer, it doesn't own me. I put my faith in God, and I'm going to believe that healing is happening. And as healing happenings, as healings happen, there we go, doctors are impacted. Nurses are impacted. Family is impacted. People who follow on social media are impacted. Friends, I mean, that's what happens. The people who were coming to say goodbye to Joyce because the doctor said she's as good as dead now get to see the healing, powerful work of God. And so don't pray. Well, I shouldn't have stopped there. Don't pray for a problem-free life. Because a a problem-free life is also a supernatural free life. I would also encourage you not to go in the other direction, which is to pray for problems. You don't have to worry about that. The world will take care of that all by itself. But don't be like, God, I just pray that you would give me a life that's problem-free, stress-free. Uh, you know, never have any, any moments where I have to trust you for provision or for a job or, or anything. Just I want to coast through life and then get to heaven, and it's going to be amazing. Well, that's just not how it works. God wants to work through the brokenness of our life and our world so that the greatness of who he is can be demonstrated. If, pe- if there's no need for hope, people don't need an answer for hope. But our world is in a desperate need for hope. And that answer is going to come through Jesus. So, so here's another analogy. As we look at Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, the teachings of Jesus, the prophets, uh, the Apostle Paul and the letters he wrote, all throughout Scripture we see examples of how people are referred to as, as trees. 
It's a metaphor. It's an analogy because uh, you look at the way that a tree operates and produces fruit, and there's, there's a flow that goes to the tree. There's water. There's soil, and it grows. It produces a fruit. It replicates. It multiplies. So just to kind of, oh, just to prove it, so y'all aren't thinking I'm just making stuff up, I figure I'll read some scripture to you. All right, here's Matthew 7. This is Jesus speaking. He goes, you can identify them, and he's not actually talking about trees. He's talking about people. You understand metaphors? Fantastic. He says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. He's making sure we understand. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, right? Here's another one. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, talking about fruit being produced. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like that's fruit that is produced in our life from the life of God flowing through us. Here's another one. This is Old Testament. Psalm chapter 92, starting in verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Everybody wants a life that's going to flourish. At least you should. I just Be free. Be free to know that you want, it's okay to want to flourish. You don't have to live destitute because you're, you don't feel like you're good enough. Let God's desire for you come through. He wants to bless you. He wants you to flourish. It says, those who are planted in the house, uh, and the house shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Here's the cool thing. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what your age is. If you are planted, if you have the life of God flowing through you, you will continue to produce fruit. That's a promise. That's a promise of God. Now let me ask you this question. Does, what, what does the tree produce fruit for? Who's the fruit for? Is it for the tree? Have you ever seen a tree reach out to its own branch, grab an apple, and take a bite? And it's like, man, I'm so glad I grew that. I'm starving. Like, no, it's ridiculous. The fruit produced by a tree is not for the tree. So if we're going to use the same analogy and paint the same picture that God is for people, the things that God wants to produce in and through your life is not just for you. God is taking you through something to develop something in you to, yes, provide something for you, but the fruit that's going to be produced from what you go through is for other people. Everything that God does in you, he does through you and for somebody else. So you're going, maybe right now you feel like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Everything is going wrong. Everything that you want to do doesn't seem like it's coming together. It feels like everything's falling apart. Listen, that's a prime opportunity for God to do something. But you have to do what Abraham did, which is lean in with faith. Faith doesn't believe in what can be seen. Faith believes in what is unseen. Faith believes that even though everything adds up against you, God is still bigger. Faith says that even though the doctor says you're going to die from this, faith says God is bigger. God is the author of life. God is my healer, my provider. He's more than enough. Faith says that when you don't feel like you have, you're good enough to have the salvation of God, faith says it's not by what I've earned anyway. It's by the work of Jesus Christ. Faith says it doesn't matter what the bank account says. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be a steward, and God's going to provide. So that, that's the mentality that we need to bring into this because when you have the challenging moments, that's when God has the opportunity to come through. And it's in those moments that fruit ends up being produced in your life. And your fruit, the fruit of your life becomes something that other people get to eat of, they get to partake of. 
They get, to, they get to see the blessing. They get to see the overflow of what God is doing in your life. Let me read this one scripture to you. Um, when it comes to the solution, I said this in the first experience. This is one of those like softball hits for anybody in church. Like, you know, the answer to what we are dealing with is, see if anybody knows the answer. <laughs> yeah. You're like, of course it is. No, they like, no, it is. Like, that, that's why we have this faith. Because we're able to say it's in Jesus. We're able to not lean on our own understanding. We're able to not depend on ourselves to be the source of what we need. Why? We can go to Jesus with faith and with enthusiasm, knowing that it's not because of what I've done or haven't done, how good I am, how bad I've been. The the, the goodness of God and the power of Jesus Christ is here to forgive me, to transform me, and to help me be who God says I was created to be. And that's something that we get to stand on. So check this out. Here's a couple of Jesus statements to kind of paint this picture. So, so Jesus came into this world to remove the divide between God and you. I personalize this because I want you to embrace this for yourself. There's scriptures for it. You can, you can look those up later. I just put them there as a reference point. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That's you. That's me. I'm not lost anymore, but I sure as heck was. Jesus came to redeem your brokenness. Jesus came to heal you. Jesus came to empower you for a missional life. Come on, your life's purpose is connected to God's purpose. Jesus came to show you the Father's unconditional love. You can never earn it, but it's still gonna be there. And I love this one right here. Jesus came to give you a life of purpose and abundance. And I wanna read this one scripture to you from John 10.10. 10. In the Passion Translation, it says this. This is the words of Jesus. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life and in its fullness until you overflow. Overflow, come on. Everything God does in you, he desires to do through you. From what? From a place of overflow. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. Every, even if you feel empty and dry and drained, everybody overflows of something. Either you're gonna overflow with the things of God or you're gonna overflow of the place of brokenness inside of you. We will always rub off on the people around us that which is within us. And so if we want to be, if we want to see God do something in our city, we want to see revival take place, we want to see our, our marriages go to the next level, we want to see our, our, our kids raise up a generation of Jesus followers, then we need to make sure that we are putting our faith in God alone because he will fill us to overflow and what overflows out of us from God will be something that brings life into the people around us. But when we allow ourselves to, to be distracted by what's going on in the world around us, and, and it's not that we rejected God, but our eyes are on something else, and we're, we're forgetting who we are. We're forgetting the promises of God. We're forgetting what God has already done in our life, and we're distracted by the pain, by the loss, by the brokenness, by the divisions, by the opinions, and we begin to overflow from something that doesn't produce life. It destroys. It breaks down. What's interesting is right before that verse I just read, there's another line to that first part. It says, the, the enemy, which is the devil, the kingdom of darkness, comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus wanted to paint a contrast so that you knew, hey, if you're going to put your faith in God, there's going to be an abundant overflow of life. But if you refuse to put your faith in God, you're going to be living from an overflow of something that comes to steal and kill and destroy. Your destiny, your purpose, your relationships, the things that God created you for. But here's the thing about God is he's a redeemer. So you can live broken, you can live lost, you can think that it's all thrown away and there's nothing left to do. And God says, hey, it doesn't matter how low you think you've gotten, you can still put your eyes on me and I will redeem everything that you thought was lost. 
I will restore absolutely everything that the enemy thought he took from you. The cool thing about the enemy is that we're told in scriptures that if the enemy gets caught stealing from us, he has to repay everything he stole from us times seven. I'm gonna stand on that promise right there, but like, listen, there are, there are some things that I think the enemy has stolen from me, and guess what? You've been caught, and now it's time for you to pay up, and I'm charging interest. So you're gonna be giving me everything you took from me, every opportunity, every relationship, every, every moment, every, even every dollar that was taken from me, every, every moment with my children, every, whatever it may be, I'm taking it back times seven, and God's gonna redeem with interest the things that the enemy stole. I'm gonna live out of the overflow of the abundance of God. So this, this overflow, like, you know, if, you, if your arteries get clogged, you're shutting off the source of your life, and it can, that can cause heart attacks, right? And so anytime that same principle, that valve, like you look, you cut up in a tree, and there's, there's rings, there's, there's, there's uh, you know, little, little pores where the water can come through, and the water brings in the nutrients of the soil, which feeds the tree, and the tree's able to grow and then produce fruit. And the same thing within us, like there can be things inside of us that stop the flow of God's life within us. It could be sin. It could be broken mindsets. It could be bad habits. It could be things that we have, we have refused to give to God because maybe it was too personal or too private or, or we don't want to deal with it, but it's there. And God's like, listen, man, give me everything because I'm not going to punish you for, your, for the, the bad things that you've done. I'm here to give you life, but I can't give you the life that I want to give you until you give me your life. Jesus did it for us in advance, right? He showed us the model. He went to the cross. I'm grateful I don't have to go to the cross for Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you. I, we don't have to do that, but all, what we do have to do is surrender and say, okay, Jesus, you gave all for me. I'm gonna give my all for you. I'm gonna give you the stuff that I don't wanna talk about. I'm gonna give you the stuff that nobody knows about. I'm gonna give you the stuff that maybe some people do know about, but I'm putting it at your feet. I'm surrendering these things to you. Because, God, you can forgive what nobody else can forgive. You can heal what nobody else can heal. You can restore what nobody else can restore. You can build up what everybody else put so much energy and tearing down. I give it to you. But when we live in a, in a mindset that, does, that shuts off the flow of God through us, it's kind of like the Dead Sea. You ever heard of the Dead Sea? It's a real place over in the Middle East and in, in, uh, in Israel. It is the lowest elevation of any place on planet Earth. 1,410 feet below sea level. And what makes it a dead sea is that everything life-giving, clean, healthy, fresh water flows into it, but it has no outlet. Nothing comes out of it. So which is interesting. You're like, well, you would think eventually enough clean water kind of comes into this thing that, that it kind of like makes it fresh water. No, you have to have an outlet for even the good things that flow into you to continue to produce life through you. So the Dead Sea here is actually just an analogy for us. Like, like God can bless you and bless you and bless you, but if you never allow it to flow through you, it's still going to produce death inside of you. And I'll, I'll say, take it a step further. If you don't steward the things that God is trying to do through you, he will take them from you and give them to somebody else. He will take your opportunity. He will take the healing he will take the blessing and he will give it to someone that it will flow through. You're like, man, I don't know if that sounds like God or not. Well, read Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is where Jesus is telling a parable of a, of a, of a wealthy uh, a master, a business owner who went away on a long trip. And so he gave to some of his people, he gave some of his resources. And he said, I want you to take care of these while I'm gone and when I get back, you can, 
you can, you know, give them back to me. And it says, to one he gave five talents, which was a, a currency. To one he gave three, and to another one he gave one. And it says that while he was gone, they, they, uh, one of them invested the one that the, the one with five talents, he invested it. The other one also invested it. But the one who had one was, was afraid and actually took what the master had given him and dug a hole and buried it because he didn't want to lose it. He was scared. And so the master comes back and says, okay, let's, uh, let's check out the accounts. How did we do? And the first guy's like, well, you gave me five, and, and I invested it in, uh, in Apple stock and I don't know, whatever. And I put it in some uh, cryptocurrency and then I uh, cashed it back out, and, uh, and I've earned five more. He's like, man, that's fantastic. You doubled. That's, quite, that's good stewardship. And he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant. And he actually blessed him with more responsibility. And then the second one had the same scenario happen. He doubled what the master had given him. But the last one came in and said, you know, I was afraid of what you would do if I lost it. Uh, so I just dug a hole and buried it. I did nothing with it. But here you go. It's still here. See, look, I cleaned it off. Here, you can have it back. And, and Jesus actually refers to this guy as a wicked servant. It's like, you are wicked because you didn't do with what I gave you what it was for. And it took from him and gave it to the one that had the most. There are, there are people who have experienced the blessing of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, but you have taken it and you have buried it inside of your heart and done nothing with it. And you're wondering why, what happened to the blessing? What happened to the favor? What happened to, like, I just feel like everything kind of went off in my life. I don't understand. I'm still reading my Bible. I still go to church. Like, I'm still doing stuff. Like, how come things, are you allowing the life of God to flow through you? Because if you are not, it's time to open up that valve. It's time to, and that's the good news. That's the good news right there, there is that you don't have to stay there. The grace of God says, hey, just now that we've identified something that is off, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. Repent of the mindset. Repent of what might have been sin. Repent of these different things. And now begin to follow Jesus again. Because as you do that, I just love that God is not a one and done God. I'm so grateful for that. He's not like, all right, I'm going to give you a chance. Messed it up. Okay, sorry, I gave you a chance. Let's move on to the next guy. That's not God. That's not his heart. I'm so grateful for that because it's the grace and the love of God that keeps coming back to us every time we recognize that we have turned away from him. He's not a judgmental God looking to condemn us. He's looking for every single chance and opportunity to restore us and bring us back into a relationship with him, for whether that's the first time or whether it's the 1,000th time. It doesn't matter to God. He just says, keep coming back to me. Keep coming back to me. Just like Abraham did. Keep coming back to me. Give me the opportunity to show you what I created you to be and who I created you to be. Give me the opportunity to flow through you so that people can see the glory and the greatness of God through your witness, through your testimony, through your example, through the power of God. It's not you. It's God working through you. But he still chooses to use people. That's crazy to me. Like, God, we screw it up. Why would you do that? Just do it yourself. We'll get out the way. Save us, beam us up to heaven, and then just do it again with other people. And God says, no, I want to use people that I created in my image to carry my glory, to carry hope to the world, to let people know, hey, you remember me? Yeah, you knew me from a while back. And you, 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 well, at least you think you knew me from a while back because that's who I was. But now I'm not who I was. Well, who are you? Let me tell you about it. I met this man named Jesus. And he forgave me of everything I ever did. He transformed my life. He gave me hope. He gave me purpose. I had this situation. Boom, God healed this person. God provided this. All these things that didn't make sense, but God. I have this last scripture for you. 
And this kind of ties in even that whole Dead Sea thing. Old Testament prophet, his name was Ezekiel. There's a book of the Bible in the Old Testament from the prophetic words that God had given him over the nation of Israel. But here, here's kind of the cool thing. I'm talking about Abraham. The prophetic words that were given for the nation of Israel, we can apply for ourselves being children of Abraham because of faith, right? So we get to claim these things. So check this out. It kind of talks about that analogy with the Dead Sea, but you can make that, tran that transition and translation for yourself. Listen to this. Ezekiel 47. It says, then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh, and life will flourish wherever it flows. The river is speaking of the presence of God. It's not, some, it's not just some magical prayer and then you go on with your life. It's, it's saying, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to allow myself to be connected to the presence of God. When we were worshiping today, we were, we were in, and we still are right now, we're in the presence of God. And luckily, the presence of God is not contained within a building of a church, right? And so that means that wherever we go, we get to take the presence of God with us. And so the presence of God wants to flow like a river through you. Doesn't matter if it was dead before, when the river of God begins to flow, not in you, but begins to flow through you, what was dead comes to life. Even when Jesus was on that cross and he died on the cross, he was physically, as a human being, he was dead. He was buried in a grave where they put dead people. But because of the river of the life of God that was flowing through him, death couldn't contain him. And because death couldn't contain him, he was able to conquer death and conquer hell and conquer the grave and even conquer sickness and disease and infirmity. All the things that in this broken world tries to break us and tear us down, Jesus conquered those things and that same life desires to flow through you. I wanna pray for you. <clears throat> Just looking back, Lori, I see you and just even your testimony. You shouldn't be here either. But God had different plans. I mean, we, we can look all over this room and there are some that we know and there are probably most that we don't know. Like, you shouldn't be here or you shouldn't at least be in the state that you are. You, you shouldn't be alive or maybe you shouldn't have the family that you have. Or Like, we can all think of the things that we shouldn't be, but we are because of the goodness of God. The things that we get to experience now, not because we've deserved it and it's because it's the fruit of our own hard work, but it's by the grace of God. I've seen plenty of people work hard and get nothing. And then I've seen people work hard and have the favor of God blessed what they're doing. And God's here to do something supernatural in your life. What are you believing for? Online, what are you believing for? What are you going through? What are you dealing with? God is good. God is good. Let's not sell short the power of God. Let's not insult God with praying for things that are just minuscule. Let's go big. Next week, that back wall where it says, welcome home, there's gonna be a big banner that we put up that wall where we're gonna start writing prayer requests on those things. We're gonna start asking big. It's for everybody. We'll have Sharpies out, just write all over it. Just write the things that you are praying for and believing for. And we're also gonna start writing testimonies on those when prayers are answered. Listen, this isn't gonna be supernatural summer because we talk about it on Sunday. This is gonna be supernatural summer because we're taking it to our lives. So what are you believing for? What miracle do you need? Is it a medical thing? Do you need healing? 
Is it a financial thing? Do you need a breakthrough? Is it a relational thing? Do you need God to do something big? Like I'm also praying, like I'm praying for stuff for our church too. Like I'm praying for God to open up opportunity. Like we, this is great, but, but this isn't gonna contain us for very long. And we don't own this. I want, to, I want our church to own dirt in the city where God's called us. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I, I guess I don't have to, right? I'm gonna write it on the stinking wall and we're gonna pray over that thing. We say, God, give us dirt in this city. God, give us territory where we will preach your gospel, where we will serve our city, where we will do things to meet the practical and spiritual needs of the place where you have called us. Just believing for these things. Like we, and, we, and, and we all get to be a part of it. That's the cool thing. If God does something for you, and I'm claiming it for me too. If God did something for Abraham, well, we're his children, so we get to be a part of that inheritance. So come on, let's think big. Like what are we believing for? God's a big God, amen? I'll stop, I'll pray now. We got meals to eat and stuff. Is this, is this okay, you get anything out of this? Yeah, I, hope, I hope you're challenged to pray big prayers, if nothing else. Let's just start seeing God in the greatness of who he is. Let's magnify God through how we, how we expect him to move. And then let's just surrender ourselves to him and watch what he does. We don't have to perform. We just have to keep showing up and being faithful, amen? Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.